This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Driving Outcomes, your source for inspired solutions to address the most pressing leadership concerns of today. On each episode, we examine the latest developments in applied research and education and how it impacts your business and social outcomes. Our host, Tracy Shirachi, brings you conversations with groundbreaking researchers, educators, and business leaders who are changing the face of leadership every day. And now, here's Tracy. Hi, everyone. I have the pleasure today of introducing Sinan Du, Dr. Sinan Du, actually. Um, she is both the program manager and outreach director and researcher in astronomy. And Dr. Ju, I was wondering if you could explain like what you do or what is your role at the University of Riverside and what is it that you focus on and, and what are key objectives that you have to achieve in terms of your role and a little bit about your research? Well, thank you, Tracy. And uh, hello, everyone. Um, as you might have already heard, uh, there were multiple job components that I actually do. <laughs> um, yeah, so as an um, outreach director, I am in charge of um, the, the outreach programs also, um, well, in the Department of Physics and Astronomy at the University of uh, California, Riverside. Um, and of course, you know, the department and my uh, PI, uh, principal investigator, he has two uh, NASA grants um, to actually conduct um, uh, education programs. So I'm also in charge of the education and outreach components of those programs. Um, so it's more about communicating science, uh, more geared towards physics and astronomy, uh, not only to students, but also to, you know, like families and uh, the general public. Um, so of course during COVID it's a, it's a hard time, but now we have online programming, but typically we would have, you know, like in-person programming with, uh, like lectures, hands-on activities, and also like very exciting, uh, stargazing events. Um, and as a program manager, um, well, I manage those, uh, two NASA education programs, um, which a big part is for um, like a coordinating uh, like multi-sector communication. So for example, I'm in charge of communicating with individual students, uh, which come, uh, comes out as, you know, like two to 300 um, individual ones. And, and I also have to communicate with their, their mentors, sometimes their teachers, if they're high school students. Um, and also, you know, university offices, um, and uh, also like NASA centers, um, we also select them, um, recruit and select them for um, internships and uh, scholarships. Um, and uh, finally, as a researcher, um, well, I study galaxies outside the Milky Way. Um, huh. So that sounds, yeah, very far away. And they're not very close by. Um, those galaxies that we observed, they were um, actually born a long time ago. And they were, you know, currently um, only about you know, a quarter of uh, the age of the Milky Way. So they were sort of like in the, uh, you know, teenager phase of the Milky Way, while our, our Milky Way is more of, you know, an adult. So just by comparing those two, uh, we can hopefully, because we can never just be here for billions of years to see how the Milky Way would evolve and eventually, right, gonna die. Um, but that way we can sort of like uh, 
put up a comprehensive picture as um, how galaxies uh, form and evolve um, and, and eventually come to an end. The question I have in terms of the outreach is for listeners to better understand, is it outreach to the public? So like any of the public can learn about the research that's going on, but also what does that outreach entail? Like you mentioned working with high school students and kind of coordinating a lot of the efforts of um, sharing the research with the high school students, but what is really the bigger objective in terms of the outreach? Is it to encourage students who are in high school to pursue higher education in astronomy or in um, or learning about it just so that they're more informed or what, what are some of the key components of that outreach or what does it entail? That is a great question, Tracy. Um, so for that one, we are doing um, educational outreach, which means we do not necessarily have a, a purpose for like recruiting students into the university or like into the department. So as you said, it's more about uh, fostering int their interest, not only in astronomy, but uh, STEM in general. Um, and for high school students, of course, there's, uh, you know, like a, a, a slight focus on, um, you know, maybe inform them about uh, a career path or at least uh, like the selection um, of majors in college, um, encourage them to pursue uh, higher education. Um, and of course, if we could, um, we um, are also, you know, encouraging um, students in the underrepresented minority groups um, to pursue uh, higher education and also like uh, a career in um, STEM fields. So um, we don't necessarily do the recruitment side. Um, so it's more about, you know, a service uh, to the students and the community. So are there certain communities that you're outreaching to, or is it anybody who's listening to this podcast could be interested in, let's say, educating their kids about, um, you know, the science and they can reach out directly to you? Or is it you're outreaching on behalf of the university and there are certain schools that the university has partnerships with or um, are already working with certain student groups? Um, great question. So uh, right now, um, we actually have an international reach. So if you're interested, uh, feel free to directly reach out to me and I will typically respond to your emails very quickly. Um, yeah, and we also uh, currently have online outreach programming. Uh, we have about uh, two public events per month and mm -hmm. they cover um, different topics and also uh, sometimes have like a different uh, target audience. For example, we have a specific uh, private events for K through 12 students, but we also have like public live streams uh, for like anyone, um, as long as you know, you're awake or interested uh, during the event time, because you know, we have different time zones. So not necessarily every everyone can be there live, but all the um, events are also recorded. Um, and uh, they have been put up on our YouTube channel, and it's all free to watch. Oh, oh, okay. So is there a website that individuals can go to to be more informed of when those events occur or when you're having it if they don't have your email address? Yeah, totally. Uh, there, there is one. Um, so if uh, you guys search uh, UCR Physics and Astronomy Community Outreach, um, and there's um, actually the upcoming events uh, section that you can see. As, as soon as we schedule an event, we'll put it up there. Because I think that's pretty fascinating. I remember as a kid, you know, going to the planetarium and having these field trips going to the planetarium. And I always have wondered, because it's been a while since I was a kid, whether or not 
Um, they still have field trips and such for youngsters to learn about, you know, the stars and the planets. And it's funny because my daughter's five years old and she's part of a school pod. And she came home the other day and she's like, Pluto is not a planet. And it was just the most random statement that she made. And I was like, what do you mean Pluto isn't a planet, right? Because the last time I remember learning it in third grade, Pluto was yeah. a planet, right? Uh-huh. So yeah. it was just interesting to hear her, you know, declare these new facts that she's learned. But I would love, I'm sure with individuals that are also listening to just educate youngsters about some of the things that we learned growing up or as kids that they're fascinated about and not necessarily waiting to, let's say, high school or college to learn about it, but really inspiring them. So I could see as a family event, it would be really cool to kind of take part in some of the um, stargazing events or um, just for even my own information to learn. Like I just learned through my five-year-old that Pluto is not a planet. Mommy would like to be more informed about that, that information before my five-year-old learns it, you know? So I think it's, it's great. Yeah, well, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, a, a lot of the times the, the education is not happening in classrooms, but more in informal settings, uh, right? Like through conversations among uh, family members. So uh, for all the, the public uh, events, we, we make it like very kids friendly, but at the same time also family friendly. So, um, you know, the parents learn and they can later tell more uh, to the kids about the subject matter. So I guess, you know, that's a, that's a good way um, also to just spend some time uh, learning science with your family. And just question for you, like, um, I'm not as informed and prior listeners are not as informed as to what careers individuals can pursue um, in astronomy, aside from teaching or aside from, you know, working um, at a lab or that type of thing. Like what type of careers are there in um, astronomy or that NASA is looking to really um, further develop because I think a lot of the times like when I think of NASA I think of my days when I was a fourth grader learning about astronauts you know and becoming an astronaut right go work for NASA to do that but (laughs) there's probably more evolution to that than you know what Mm -hmm. I remember as a kid so I was just curious for listeners to um what kind of careers exist today you know that NASA and others are trying to promote and that you guys know in your field exist Right. Um, so I would say like for astronomy, um, yeah, well, uh, people would think, okay, well, maybe the only path is to maybe just keep doing research, right? Uh, eventually becoming a professor at a university um, or maybe uh, becoming a teacher, uh, either say at a university or at a K-12 school. Uh, but in fact, with all the skill sets that you've developed, um, you know, throughout the course um, of studying astronomy, um, like us, even I do not really do computer simulations, but I still, uh, you know, uh, code or program a lot uh, to deal with data because I can't simply just like, uh, you know, write it down on paper, right? So with that, um, even you don't really want to do like research later, um, a common career path these days is actually doing something like data related, for example, um, you know, becoming a data scientist. Um, and so, yeah, so those are skill sets, they are, um, they are, they are transferable, right? It, you don't have to just apply it to astronomy. And some people may even, you know, go to industry and become like, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
data analysis, um, right? Or uh, with some other training, um, like in engineering, they could also, you know, just switch to an engineers. Being, I think becoming really an helpful to know, because I think that's, it's one, and the reason I asked you is because people kind of think that there's only one path or they may, like you said, think like, well, what if I don't want to teach? Or maybe I do want to teach either which way, right? But what other options are there? And I never... To be honest with you, I never related data science and data to astronomy, but I see the relationship now that you mention it. And I think that's intriguing because oftentimes I think we think people go in to study one area and come out in that same area, but there's common skill sets. Um, and obviously most of us have switched careers multiple times. Like I know for myself, I have. So trying to think linear like that is not necessarily useful and it's understanding what skill sets are you getting, but I think also for in, individuals that are passionate about astronomy or the solar system, you know, it also gives them an opportunity to educate mom and dad if on other career paths too. Um, but at the same time, yeah. allow them to pursue their passion. Totally, um, and I would say, you know, like uh, with a bachelor's degree in astronomy. Um, you know, one can almost go into like any STEM fields or if they want to go to a different field uh, for grad school or, you know, for a job, uh, that's completely doable because astronomy is not like that in depth at that point. But even say like after graduate school, like me, I'm not, not necessarily going to pursue research as a full-time job. In fact, I'm not. Um, so I'm hoping to get a full-time outreach uh, slash education position. So, um, I mean, with this kind of training, it actually, you know, empowered me a lot about, um, you know, um, how research is done, right, from the inside. So when I talk to the kids, I can provide more insights on into those fronts. So I would say, you know, all, all the kind of trainings that um, you receive um, you know, as a student, they will be useful at some point. So don't have to, you know, just very limit yourself there. And, um, you know, in terms of those uh, NASA career options, um, I guess for if you have like professional astronomy training, most likely you're not going to become an uh, astronaut because, you know, that's a different path. Um, you're, you're not necessarily going to space yourself, but you are definitely support, uh, going to support the astronauts in space uh, with your knowledge and skills. That's interesting to know, because obviously like, with the emergence of SpaceX, right, like no one thought like there would be a private company essentially that would think about, you know, going to travel to the moon or, or travel outside of our current, you know, Earth eco or Earth's atmosphere. But there's so many possibilities now that I appreciate you saying that because we we tend to think very linearly and we still do, even though we know people change careers and have skill sets that they can leverage to do other things. But we oftentimes teach our kids to pick a major or pick a career path, right? Thinking that there's only one way to get there and there isn't. Realistically, there isn't, but that's still how we tend to think. So I appreciate you mentioning that and really enjoyed talking to you um, about, you know, what work you're doing in the outreach and just informing others about ways that they can get involved and support you. So I really appreciate you meeting with us today and talking about it. 
Of course, Tracy. Well, thank you for the invitation. Um, it's, an, it's a pleasure. And um, yeah, I also hope to see you, uh, maybe your, your five-year-old and many of you who are listening uh, at our future outreach events, which are totally free. <laughs> thank you. It's a great time to do it now. Thanks, Shannon. Yes. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Driving Outcomes. If you'd like to listen to or download other episodes of Driving Outcomes, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast networks. Please also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as The Mark USA. We hope you'll join us again next week for more conversations with today's leaders who are driving for results and achieving phenomenal business outcomes. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.